God has given abilities and gifts and our service takes on particular force when we know what we have to work with. Serving in the church should always be in the context of spiritual gifts. And it's important to know where you are in order for you to be able to serve effectively. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lawrence. When you hear the word stewardship, do you feel a sense of uneasiness? Do your thoughts go to whether or not you're regularly supporting the church financially? Well, stewardship is not always linked to just how often you're giving in the offering plate at church or online. Stewardship involves your gifts and abilities and how you're using them to give effective balance to your local fellowship of believers. Let's take a closer look at that today on Living a Legacy. Great to have you with us. If you're new to our broadcast, our speaker has served in Christian ministry as a pastor, conference speaker, seminary professor, and author. And that service spans over 50 years. Crawford spent 15 years leading the congregation of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. And these weekly messages come from his time at Fellowship. He now heads the leadership mentoring program beyond our generation. Well, let's take inventory of the gifts and abilities God has given to us. Have we been using them? Let's see what role exercising these gifts can play in helping the body of Christ work more effectively. Here's Crawford Loritz on Living a Legacy. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to the book of Romans. It's amazing how, how our, our hands can, it's like a magnet. We just gravitate toward holding on to ourselves. And we live in a culture that, that celebrates that. And so today, as we talk about serving from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through, through, through 8, we need to keep that in the back of our minds. We do not own our lives. We belong to another. I love baseball. I grew up loving baseball. My dad, before us kids were born, uh, played ba- ball in the old Negro Leagues. And my mother says that I was the only boy, and my mother says that I had a baseball glove before I was potty trained. Uh, I, I love the sport. I love the sport. But you know, the Christian life, as well as church in a certain way, you talk about serving, uh, is much like a baseball team or any other sports team. Uh, you know, just because you like baseball and you want to be on the team doesn't mean that you can play any position you want. You may want to pitch, but if you can't find the plate, you ain't going to pitch. You, 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 may, you may want to back cleanup, but you, at best, you hit singles and doubles, you, you know. You, you may want a bat leadoff, but you're slow as molasses. So it all depends what is your position on the team. In order to op- optimize the team, you got to be on the right spot. You know, you have first baseman and second baseman and shortstop and third baseman and left fielder and center fielder and right fielder, catcher, pitcher. They all require just a little different skill set. It's more than just the game. There's a different skill set. You you see that in all sports. I mean, you know, uh, basketball. Man, I'm a cheater six foot. I may want to be a center, but that ain't going to happen. I'm not wired for that. Somebody can shoot the lights out, but they want to be a point guard, but they're not quick. That's not going to happen. 
You, you gotta figure out just where you are. And that's the way it is in the body. God has given abilities and gifts and our service takes on particular force when we know what we have to work with. And that's the way we have to think about it. Far too often as believers, we're too random about our service. We just think anything goes. Well, then you end up wasting equity and you get frustrated and the people that you're trying to serve gets frustrated. Why? Because, you know, you really should be batting number four or three in the lineup and you're batting number one or number eight or ninth in the lineup and it's just out of whack. And so, you know, this whole idea when we talk about serving presupposes some things and I'm gonna get a little bit ahead of myself here. Whenever, whenever we talk about serving in the church, it should always be in the context of spiritual gifts. Whenever you look at these passages on spiritual gifts, whether it's 1 Corinthians 12, or whether it's Romans 12, or whether it's Ephesians chapter 4, a little smidgen over, I really believe it's 1 Peter 4, is it? Yeah. Uh, whenever, you, whenever you see these contexts there, it, it, it always is, the gifts are always in the, under the umbrella of serving. And it's important to know where you are in order for you to be able to serve effectively. And that's what it's all about. Churches become inefficient and ineffective because others are not using their gifts in the right way. And people suffer. Churches become ineffective and inefficient because folks are not using their gifts in the right ways. And so what ends up, ends up happening is we, we suffer. So having said that, the question is, why, why do we serve? Why do we serve? I think that there are probably four big reasons, maybe more, but there are four big reasons why, why we serve. The first and foremost reason is out of gratitude. In fact, this section of Scripture begins not in verse 3, but it actually begins in verse 1. Verses 1 and 2, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Really, this is where this section begins. And you notice those two verses say this, I, I, I urge you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove or demonstrate what the will of God is. Now, 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 I want you to understand, uh, to, to me, the most important uh, segment of that verse happens to be the motivation statement at the very top. He says, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. What mercies is he talking about? I don't want to get sidetracked, but he's talking about the mercies that he's delineated in chapters 1 through 11. The fact that we were lost and Christ came and died on the cross in our place and for our sin. He declared us righteous and placed us into the body of Christ. And, and he's given us his Holy Spirit to overcome sin. God has been merciful to us. And so the very first place we begin in terms of serving is not out of obligation. And I can tell you this. If you are giving your money and giving your service because you feel guilty, you can keep both of them. Keep both of them. It's not out of, it's not out of some guilt obligation. It's out of a grace obligation. That's the primary motivation. We serve because we're grateful. We're so grateful to God. 
Our consecration to God and our transformed life is demonstrated in how we exercise our spiritual gifts. First comes the consecration. The process of transformation in our lives gives focus to how we use these spiritual gifts. But all that's born out of gratitude. We're grateful. Grateful for what Jesus has done for me. It's not that I'm trying to please people. It's not an audience that I'm trying to kiss up to. It's not that I feel like, you know, I'm going to get beat up if I don't serve. No, we're grateful. Just grateful for what he's done. So number one, we serve because of gratitude. Uh, Secondly, uh, we serve because of, here's the word, stewardship. Stewardship. I said a few moments ago, now hear me on this, hear me on this. The moment we trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, listen to me, there's been a transfer of ownership. It's a transfer of ownership. We do not own our lives. God, as I've said up here many times, God does not do double billing. He owns us. He owns everything about us. He owns all that is in us. He owns it. We are not the proprietors of our lives. We're the stewards of our lives. We are responsible managers of what has been given back to us. But he owns it, and we we operate underneath that canopy. We serve because we're stewards. And a steward does not go around declaring his ownership because he didn't own anything. A steward goes around declaring his faithfulness or her faithfulness. And it's assumed that stewards are responsible. And we'll get into that a few minutes later. And the third reason why we serve, well, frankly, we serve because of need. Need. Meaning others need and are benefited by what we have. That's why we serve. That's why we serve. Others need and they're benefited by what we have. Prima donnas are terrible servants. People who are leading with their egos are horrible servants because they're looking really to be served. Folks who are always shopping their gifts ultimately are terrible servants because they're really looking for a platform and the attention is coming this way. They want the adulation of the group concerning the gift that they've demonstrated. But in the Bible, you, you don't serve for that reason. You don't serve for that reason. You, you serve because there needs to be met. It's the Philippians 2 mindset. I, I think more highly of you than I think of myself. And we're going to see that in a moment as we walk through the text here. And the fourth reason why we serve uh, uh, is because God particularly blesses us when we use what has been given to us. There's a joy that comes back to us. When you're you're hitting the sweet spot of what God's given you to work with, when when you do that, it's like I tell people all the time, I will preach six, seven, eight times in a week. Now you can overdo that. My wife reminds me. Uh, You can do that. But actually, I got to tell you, I, I ain't no silver throat orator or none of that stuff, but it's a gift. And there is this, it's a, do you get tired? Yeah, but I call it a good tired. It's sort of like, <laughs> it's, you don't, you're going to think I'm nuts. It's sort of like an invigorating tired. 
It's like anybody that uses what God's given them to work with. There, you, there's the expenditure of energy, yeah, you need to get that back, but there's a fulfillment and joy that's there because you're doing what God, what you're born to do. And I just covered that for all of us here. There's joy in that. So that's why we serve. But now we come to this text here. Romans chapter, chapter 12, verses 3 through 8 here. And it's in this passage that Paul tells us how to be effective as servants. This is a very practical text. In fact, I don't need much application because the, the text itself is its own application, the way he says it. Paul makes four statements here. And let me give you the four statements, and they just come right out, of the, right out of the passage itself. Paul is telling us, okay, here's how you serve. Here's how you serve. The first statement is this. Number one, know who you are. Know who you are. Number two, know where you belong. Number three, know what you have. And then number four, in typical Pauling fashion, he draws it to an action point. Don't waste your gift. Okay, know who you are. Know where you belong. Know what you have, but don't waste your gift. The first thing that Paul says, is found in verse 3, it says, know who you are. Listen to these words. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I just just love Paul. Paul is blowing up two things. He's blowing up arrogance and pride, and he's blowing up false humility. He's saying, look, look, here's the deal. This verse underscores, really it underscores two things. This verse underscores humility, but also self-awareness. Humility and self-awareness. And it's interesting where he positions this before he talks about your gifts, and even before he talks about service, specifically. He says, the way you approach service and the way you approach your gifts is with humility and with great self-awareness. And by the way, the two are not contradictions. It is false humility to say, oh, I'm nothing, I'm just nobody. No, stop. You know, I, I taught for about 13, 14 years up at Trinity Seminary. I used to, I taught uh, leadership and preaching, and I was a visiting professor there. And, and you know, you know, what students, you know the, so these students would ask me all the time, they would say stuff like, uh, uh, particularly those who are pretty gifted communicators and preachers, they would ask me, say, uh, oh, Dr. Ritz, uh, uh, what, what do you say to people? What do, you, what do you say to people when they come up to you after you preach and say, boy, that was a great message. How do I handle that? I said, what, what do you mean, how do you handle it? You tell them thank you. <laughs> uh, what are you supposed to say? Oh, it wasn't me. Well, yes, it was. Now it was all the Lord. Well, yeah, but you were obedient. So that's not being prideful. You say thank you. You get, doesn't mean that you're taking God's glory. And what Paul is saying here is that, look, God's given you gifts. You, you, you know, don't think more highly than you ought to think. 
Now, on the other hand, if you, you're talking about, you know, he said, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. If Spurgeon was alive, he'd take lessons from me. Yeah, yeah, really, right, okay. That's, that's a little more heavier than you ought to be. Don't think of yourself, but you, we have to use an accurate evaluation of ourselves. Don't overrate or underrate yourself. Both are wrong. Think critically about yourself. What do you have? What don't you have? And by the way, let me just say this to you. All the training in the world in the area in which you're interested in but you're not gifted in will not, will not make you be more effective. For example, and I'll tell you, from my, my, you know, here, here's the deal. Preaching and public speaking are two very different things. Two very, very different things. You can be a great public speaker but a lousy preacher. One has to do with gifting. And you can, you, can, you can teach somebody how to, you know, introduction, transition statement, body of a message, illustration, and this kind of thing, and they, they can get by speaking. But it won't have the anointing and the favor of God. The anointing and favor of God are upon the grace gifts that he's given to you, and that's what's missing. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. By the way, he uses the term sober judgment. It comes with the Greek word uh, sophronane, sophronane. That word means sound thinking. In other words, he, he's actually saying face the reality about who you have, what you have, and who you really are. Face that reality. Don't hide it. That's who you really are. Don't pretend to be something else or somebody else. Don't try to borrow somebody else's spiritual journey. Face the reality of who you are. Use sound judgment. Uh, we are not who we aspire to be. We are who we are. It's great to have dreams and ambitions, but you are who you are. Not necessarily what we aspire to be. Don't, don't deny what God has given to you, but don't claim what he has not given to you. And just because you want to do something doesn't mean that you have the gift to do it. And I think this is just right out of the box. Paul is being very direct. He says, okay, you ain't got it. You got this. But I want this. Want all you want, but you got this. And nothing is sadder than to see people fighting their whole lives and they're in the wrong area. Of the, they, they just try, keep trying to make better, 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 better. And God is saying, I didn't gift you for that. I didn't gift you for that. I didn't gift you for that. And you stay over here. But, you know, your effectiveness is going to be over here. Embrace what God's given to you. Don't fight it because you want something else. Yeah. And notice he says the line here, according to the measure of faith, I think what he means by that is that since our gifts are from God, we can't take credit for them. We, have to, we accept them by faith and use them by faith to honor the Lord. And by the way, to have a gift of necessity means to have a responsibility. If you've got a spiritual gift and I have a spiritual gift, the flip side of that means that I have a responsibility. There's no such thing as... as Christianity that's not accountable. Every area of our lives, we're accountable. And so if you have a spiritual gift and I have a spiritual gift, I'm responsible and accountable to God to use it. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. Paul's going to talk a little bit more about that later. But again, the whole point is that you can't take credit either for what's been given to you. 
You all have heard me say this a ton of time. Every time I talk about spiritual gifts here, you've heard me say this. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You know, I, 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 this, is just, this is just a burr in my saddle. This is one of the things that I, I just get irritated by. I read, I've read books and heard friends of mine preach messages on spiritual gifts, and they preach it too much from a self-serving perspective. You can't be that attached to your gift. You didn't give yourself the gift. God gave you the gift. You didn't give that, that, that and, it, and, and it's a stewardship responsibility. And stop making it a pathway to self-fulfillment. Now, you will be fulfilled in using a gift, but that's not the purpose of it. It is an other's orientation. It is to be given away. I'm accountable to God. It's all about other people. And so don't glory in what has been given to you, you as, as if somehow or another you negotiated with God what you want and you won. That was a grace gift. I didn't call myself to preach. I didn't give myself a gift that likes to encourage people. I didn't give myself a gift that liked to lead folks. So Paul pushes the faith, and oh, you exercise it by faith. The, imp the implication is you did not give yourself that. Okay. Number one, know who you are. Number two, know where you belong. Know where you belong. Let's so look at verses four and five. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. What Paul is saying, and I, I'm getting into some waters right here, what, what he is saying is that the primary place where these gifts function are within the body of Christ. I did not say the exclusive place. Your gift will work anywhere. But the primary way, the primary arena in which these gifts function are within the body of Christ. Every text in which spiritual gifts are emphasized, you'll see two things. Number one, it's a pathway to service. Number two, the primary audience is the body. Whether it's 1 Corinthians 12, whether it's Ephesians 4, whether it is Romans 12, wherever you see spiritual gifts outlined and spoken to, they're not, they're not hyper-individualized. They're not individualized. They're, they're, there's not, they're, they're, they're not scud missiles. They're not things where you go off and do your own thing over here. The, the power and context of those gifts is to be expressed within the body. There's, there's no such thing as an unattached Christian. There's no such thing as an unattached Christian. What do you mean by that? Well, when you give your heart, we give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. We're reconciled to him and we're placed into the body and you can't separate one from the other. Crawford Loritz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy. Stewardship, Why Do We Serve? The title of today's message. Earlier in the program, Crawford mentioned those four big reasons why we use our gifts and abilities to serve. Here they are again. Number one, we use them out of gratitude. Two, because of stewardship. Three, because of need. Others benefit from what we have. And number four, God particularly blesses us when we use what has been given to us. We'll pick up the second part of this message next week. If you missed some of the points from today's broadcast, you can hear the message again on our website, livingalegacy.org. 
If you find Crawford's teaching to be helpful, take a few minutes to let him know. Just a couple of lines of an email will be an encouragement. Write to legacy at moody.edu, legacy at moody.edu. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Join us again next week right here. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.